Well, hey, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Frontline Community Church's weekly podcast. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, to love others, and to help others love God. Now, we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now, as you listen to our podcast today, we hope that you're blessed and that your journey with Jesus Christ becomes stronger than ever. God bless you. I want you to know uh, how much we love you guys, and I want to say hello to our frontline online family. Everyone just wave a hand up high so they see you. We know you're out there. Uh, If you didn't get a seat this weekend, we want you to have a great seat in your house, and we want to bless you just as well today through our live stream. But what's up on YouTube and Facebook? Uh, We miss you guys, and I'm optimistic. I feel like things are changing. Am I the only one? I feel like things are coming. Some of you guys are like, not yet. We got three more months. But I'm optimistic. I'm thankful that our doors are open. We've prayed a lot for that. So I'm very thankful to the German government. I don't know if there's a better place in the world to be than in Germany. And not just Germany, but the southern part of Germany right now. So I just feel very blessed to be with you guys. And uh, I love you. And it's really good to see you. If you're new with us, uh, a super what's up. Glad to meet you, and welcome to the Frontline family. A couple things real quick, and then we're going to dive into a a really fun uh, sermon this morning that's very easy for me to preach because you guys are so good at this. Sometimes as a pastor, you got to preach messages, and your your church is not so good at it, and so you you got to push a little bit. But this is one of the topics that I don't know if I've ever been in a church that does this so well. And you're going to have to wait until I tell you what that is. So let me give you a couple quick things. Hey, we only got one, one, everyone say one. one. We got one Wednesday Bible study left. I know. Can I get a uh? Now, you guys online, you've got an opportunity to save a seat this Wednesday faster than these people who are here. So you may think they got a better seat. You've got the internet at your fingertips. Go after it. Save a seat. But we have one more, and then we're probably taking a pretty long break, so I want to encourage you to come, and here's what we're going to talk about. Well, first of all, we got a free meal for you, as always, a free dinner. Uh, Some people had steak last Wednesday, so come and get it. But we're going to be talking about being free from sin. And if you're you're here, uh, I should say this is all of us, and you're like, you know, there's that one plaguing sin that I would do anything to get rid of. How many of you guys got one or 10 of those sins? I'm raising my hand before you right now. And I'm just going to teach you from the word of God how close we are from defeating that sin once and for all. What would that do to your life? So save a seat and check us out Wednesday at six o'clock. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let me encourage you to keep praying for our Saturday service as our Sunday services are full every week. We are praying about a Saturday service. We'll see how that goes. All right, let's go right to the book, guys. Let's go to John chapter 3. Nah, John chapter 4. How much time do I have? John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we're in this series. It's been a real blessing. Thank you for the encouragement and the kind words. And thank you for your response to God's word. This has been a fun series. It's called At the Table. 
And really, it's birthed from Thanksgiving for us who are Americans. We got this uh, fun holiday that we all enjoy because we watch football and eat. But it spurred on this idea of life at the table. We all have, how many of you guys know we have tables of life where we got to sit with people? And sometimes it's work, sometimes it's soccer, sometimes it's church, sometimes it's your own family or your friends. And oftentimes, you don't get to invite who sits at the table, amen? And oftentimes, people show up at those tables, and you're wondering, how in the stink did you get here? Because I don't really want to hang out with you. And so this whole series is birthed on finding from God's word how we can get along at the tables of life, amen? We've been through enough conflict and enough division, and as a church at least, I don't know about the world, we need to focus on God's word and how to treat each other at the table. So I was praying about what to preach, and God gave me something Thursday night, maybe Thursday morning. I don't know when I sent you guys the notes, Lachey, probably this morning. But I want to call this, and I want you to write this down. I want to call this part three sermon, Dinner Guests. Dinner Guests. And I'm excited about this sermon. And I want to talk to you real quick about relationships, and then I want to show you what I mean by dinner guests, and then I want to cut you loose. I'm not going to do a whole lot of teaching outside of just unpacking a story from Scripture, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit teach you today. But it's your relationships, guys, that are so important in life. How many of you guys agree with me with that? It's the sweetest times in life when you're getting along with people. And I don't just mean marriage. I mean friendship. I mean coworkers. I mean churches. There's nothing like unity. Amen. As a matter of fact, in, in the Psalms, uh, David, uh, I'm sorry, God's, God writes this amazing song, and he says, it is good and beautiful when the brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, amen? amen. Trying to get you fired up with this thing of unity. It's a beautiful thing when people are in unity, but it's not always that easy. But it's really your relationship with others that makes life so beautiful, and you can feel how powerful unity is because the moment a relationship goes off track, what does it do to your soul? There's no way you can isolate a broken relationship, can you? Like this one is all jacked up, but I'm going to go over here and hang out with these people and I'm going to be fully present and partying. You can see it's absolutely impossible because we are so wired for each other. When one breaks down, they all begin to break down. That's why when this one breaks down and you go hang out with these people, you got to tell these people about how this one broke down. And then this gets all screwed up over here. So we've got these tables of life that we've got to figure out. How do we get along as we recognize the importance of relationships? And I would even go further and say, we need to recognize the importance of place, tables, home. How special is home? How special is that place of friendship? How special is a church? I don't mean a building. I mean a people. Coming in and being unified with a people. I mean, place is so important. And we feel the importance of belonging with a people, whatever that table looks like, because we feel the ache of isolation. And there's nothing quite as beautiful in life, guys, as having a table setting. You ever show up to a, a dinner or something like that, and someone says, I never like assigned seating because we're pretty laid back as a family, but you go over to some people's houses, and they go like this, oh, well, you're going to sit here. You ever, you ever done that? 
And you're like, really? We got to do a sign seating up in this place? So if we ever have dinner, don't do a sign seating. Let us just chill. Just had dinner with a family who's in this room right now. Loved it. No assigned seating. They said, make yourself at home. So I kicked my shoes off and I took my shirt off. I said, this is how we do it at home. They said, put your shirt back on. No, that didn't happen, Facebook. Don't go posting that. But there's something beautiful about having a place with a people. That's my spot. I belong to that church. I got a spot in that family. Those are my friends right there. These are our circles. These are our tribes. And we need them. And we rally around those people who've experienced similar things because it, it creates this bond. You ever notice that? We, we gravitate towards people who've been through the same story as us and, and we formulate these tribes because it strengthens us. Oh, you've been through that too. Like you understand me and I understand you. These are beautiful things, guys, relationships. And so as I was teaching on this stuff, you guys, as I was writing these sermons and preaching on this, you know what hit me this week? You know what hit me this week? What about those people who don't have a table? That's what hit me this week. And I got all choked up. <laughs> I got all choked up. Because I got so many tables by the grace of God. I got so many relationship circles where people accept me and love me. And I was thinking about this. What is it like when you don't know where you belong? I was working with some high school people this week. And, and that was their story. Like, Pastor John, I don't know where I fit in. And, uh, and that may be the hardest thing in the world. We're, we're more connected than ever, but we're more, we feel more alone than ever before. It's a weird time in the world. And I was just thinking about that for a minute. Like, I want to heal my tables, you know, the, the people I roll with, my family and my church. I want these things to, to be lovely. But then I begin to think about those people who just don't even know where they belong. And again, guys, what's so weird about our world is People are surrounded by others, and yet so many people feel so, so deeply and dangerously alone. And, and I think this is an important message because the holidays are coming, and the holidays aren't cool for everyone. As a matter of fact, holidays can bring out things that are hidden the rest of the year. You know, like my family's not in good shape, or I'm out here in Germany alone. You know, Thanksgiving's dropping. And it can really remind us who we don't have. And I realize, guys, that until we find and belong to community, we absolutely cannot feel complete. And some of you guys who are in the psych world, we have a lot of psychologists and people who work in mental health in our church. And you guys know, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know these 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 philosophical ideas that these are primary things for us to feel fully human. Like you need to belong. And so as a church, I just got to thinking like, guys, what if this week together, we started looking for those who don't know where they belong and they don't know what tables to go to. And I don't, I don't just mean a physical table around Thanksgiving. You can only have like a half a person over for Thanksgiving this year. But I'm talking about people who don't know what community they belong to. It only takes one mistake in this world before you feel like you're ostracized. Before the world begins to put a label on you. You're divorced now. You're not a person. You're a label. You're divorced now. Therefore, you don't have a table to belong to. So I want to get after this. And I praise God for you people because, uh, again, if you're, if you're watching from another country or something like that, you got to know something about our church. 
I've been in some good churches, some strong churches. I've never been in a church like Frontline that reaches so many people. I mean, I, I, it's, it's bizarre to me. I meet people and I say, how did you hear about Frontline? Oh, I was grocery shopping in Aldi. No, no, how did you hear about Frontline? I was grocery shopping in Aldi. And two of the Frontliners randomly said hi to me. And in the frozen section, we had a beautiful conversation and I felt their love and they brought me to church. And it's so bizarre to me because I'm just like, really, you guys just do that? Yes, you do that. It's a beautiful thing. Countless, countless stories that we have. But I want to get back after this of finding those who don't have a table to belong to and beginning them to invite them into your life and into the Lord's table, into the Lord's church, into the Lord's people. So we tell them they belong. We're communal creatures. And this is where we come in to find the outcasts, the broken, the sidelines, and bring them in. And that's really what the good news is. That's really what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. The gospel actually creates a new community for all. This, this thing is not some elite group here. This is, this is a group, I don't mean to insult you, but of sinful people who have the Holy Spirit who are growing in Christ patiently together. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And every human being can walk in this place and say, I don't get it all. I don't know where I belong yet, but I can walk in those doors and I can hear about Christ. Amen. The gospel does that. That's my story. Got saved, uh, never, never entered a church in my life till I was 20 years old, walked into the church, heard the gospel, got saved, had all these people gather around me and say, John, you're very different. <laughs> very, very different. Uh, we need to talk about some things, but you're a part of us now. I love that, and I want to get after that. So I want you to write one point down, and what I really want to do is look at the longest recorded conversation Jesus has in the whole Bible. It's a beautiful conversation. Ita, you preached on this a while back, but there's so many layers to the story. You gave us a beautiful one. I'm going to give you another layer to this story. Write this down. Here's what I want us to do this week in the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll throw it up here. I want us to bring others to, to our tables. I want you to begin to pray about bringing others to your table. And I don't just mean Thanksgiving. I mean the table of fellowship of your life. I mean the table of this church. So go to John 4 if you're not there yet, and I'm gonna cover a lot of ground. I, my timer's at 40 minutes right now. I love this. I absolutely love this. So go to John 4, and I'm going to break this down. We're going to cover about 30 verses in fast forward. And I'm just going to lay this out in a very different style. I'm going to break this down in a conversation. And let me just say right away, guys, so you understand what's going to happen to you this week, because we're preaching God's word, and the Holy Spirit's moving right now. God is going to detour you this week. I say that in confidence because he doesn't put the word of God on our hearts for us to preach it for nothing to happen. So God's going to detour you and he's going to detour me. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a flat tire. Maybe it's a spouse saying, hey, can you stop at Etika and buy that thing? I know you're just getting off of work. I don't know what it's going to be, but you're going to be detoured. And I want you to see what God is doing. God may detour you from the good life. Did you hear that? He may detour you from the good life to meet someone who has no place in life. Did you get that? It's very possible that he has already detoured some of you 
from the good life to find someone who has no place in life. John chapter 4, and let's watch the Lord work in verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees, and those are the religious elite, those were the, the law of the land in that time, they were a binding group of religious leaders. So when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is running around. He's baptizing all these people. And Jesus is now baptizing more. He's got a bigger crowd coming to them. Now, if you think about our day and time, that's the perfect time for a selfie and to just lay low and dig in. I got things moving right now. I got the attention on me. A lot of good stuff is happening. This is the equivalency of the good life. Verse 2, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. So his, his posse is baptizing all these people. Things are moving. See, things are moving in some of your life right now. Things are picking up speeds. And what's so weird is if you look at verse 3, it just goes like this. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. It's like, Lord, no, 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 Lord. Great things are happening right where you're at. Why would you leave the good life? Why would you leave the rhythms of life? And why would you go on a detour when, when the action's right under your nose? Like things are solid right now. And then it says in verse four, here's why. Because he had to pass through Samaria. He has to pass through an area that does not look like his own and does not want his type. But he has to pass through Samaria. And what the original language means, <clears throat> you guys, is quite beautiful, is that the Holy Spirit is providentially pushing him to Samaria. In other words, he doesn't have a choice. God's moving. And it's amazing what may happen this week. We may get weird things to happen to us, like all these doors close, and we're now forced to, to end up in this place. And we're like, man, this is not good. Your disappointments may be God's appointments. Come on, someone help me more than this family right here. <laughs> My soul. You may have to pass through Samaria. And Samaria reminds me of the hood. Because the Samaritans were what the Jews called half-breeds. They were not pure Jews. They had, through marital relationships, brought in other races. And so they weren't pure anymore. And so there was this great divide between Jewish people and these half-breeds, as they were called. And Jewish people did not want to go into this area. I mean, as a matter of fact, they walked around this area, historians tell us, because they just didn't walk through the hood. And so there's this tension here, but God don't care. Because when God wants to meet somebody and save somebody who doesn't have a table that they belong to, he's going to send his people there. But you know what Jesus has to do? I like this. <clears throat> Jesus has to do some things. So there's a woman in Samaria. There's a woman, and she needs help. She doesn't know where she belongs. So here's what Jesus has to do. Jesus has the 12 disciples with him right now. And if you think about this, he's walking, and he knows what's going on. The Spirit has spoken to him, no doubt, and said, I got I to gotta get you to this lady. But you know what the problem is? Jesus' crew, his disciples, yeah, he's gonna, they're going to screw this all up. Because she don't look like them. She's, she's got a past, guys. This woman's got a past. 
And the Jesus followers are not going to like this. They like, they like it clean. They like it clean. Man, two people this week. Two people. One, one in a Wednesday Bible study, boldly. But two people, guys, this week said, I've walked away from God because of the church. Not this church. They're back. <laughs> they're back. But because of this problem we're having, like these guys are not going to embrace this woman because she's the wrong race, she's of the wrong religion, and she's got a messy story. And they're so stinking tribal that you couldn't, you couldn't get in. You ever do that? You're having dinner and, and all the tables are full and someone walks in and you know you can make room and pull up another table, but that person who walks in, you don't like. And so you're like, yeah, it looks like we're full. That's what the disciples are doing. They're like, you can already see him walking with Jesus like, this looks like Samaria. You know, they're probably already talking like, he's probably calling fire down on this city. That's why we're showing up here. And he goes, man, I got to lose these guys. Look at verse seven and verse eight. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. You know what he said? Gents, I got to hit this city. I'm really hungry. Go buy me some food. Go. We got serious business right now. There's a life hanging on the edge. And you cannot screw this up. A woman from Samaria is who he sees when he walks into the outskirts of that village. He's not in the village yet. He's on the outskirts of the village and there's a well there and he, he, the timing of God that any time of the day he could have come earlier or later and missed this woman but the providence of God walked him right to this woman at the exact second and she's a Samarian and she came to draw water and Jesus goes like this, give me a drink and the whole thing's a setup. The whole thing's a setup. You see, the world sees a woman. Jesus sees a story. The world sees dirtiness. Jesus sees gospel potential. The world sees a woman. Jesus sees a story behind this woman's eyes. And I got to think because the bucket is so interesting. She comes to draw water. She comes to draw water. She comes to draw water. To me, it's like the bucket is a picture of her heart. It's empty. It's so empty. And it's so dry. And it's like Jesus looks at this bucket and he looks into her eyes and he just sees this broken woman and she's out drawing water at a really weird time of the day because she doesn't want to be seen by people. And if you look at the well, the well, there's this well. It's like the centerpiece to the story. It's a common place for women to meet. And uh, I don't know. I don't mean to be sexist or weird. I don't know where women meet um, on Facebook pages or something. I know there's one for the KMC coffee shops. I don't know. But it's like a common place back then for ladies just to get together and hang out and talk. Probably some good, probably some bad. But it was a place for women to talk and it's very interesting that she comes at 12 o'clock in the afternoon in the Middle East. Now, some of you guys have been stationed there. It's not okay at 12 o'clock, is it? It's stinking hot. So it makes no sense why this lady would come to the well at the hottest part of the day when no women are there unless she's got a story. She's got a story. 
She's made mistakes. And Jesus realizes very quickly that she's come to avoid people because she has no place in this world. And she's bitter. I kind of like this girl. She's got a really bad chip on her shoulder. As, at least that's how I read it. I don't know how, how when you were preaching, you, you read that. But I feel like she's got a chip on her shoulder. I was studying this in the original language. I feel like she's angry. And I think I would be angry too at myself uh, and the mistakes I made, but also at the world around me. She's an oppressed woman, but she's got a story. And you got you to gotta wonder, and I'm going to break this down in a minute. I, you got to kind of wonder what forced her to make some of the destructive decisions she, she made. I'm not saying she's not accountable, but she did some things, and you wonder if it's because of some things the world did to her. Look at verse 9, 4, 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, so Jesus goes like this, hey, give me a drink. And she knows that men aren't supposed to talk to women and, and women to men in that culture. She recognizes him as a Jew by the way he dressed. And by the way she dressed, she was obviously a Samaritan, and they did not converse in that day and age. Women were not allowed to look at men in the eyes. And yet, Jesus breaks all of those cultural norms because he doesn't care. He doesn't stink and care. And the woman is taken back, but she's also angry. She's like, who is this guy who's looking at me this way? Maybe she thinks he's trying to score. But the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew... Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And what I think the woman is saying right here is, why are you talking to me? I'm, I'm the wrong race. I'm the wrong gender, apparently. Why do you care? Why do you care? You ever meet someone like that? You're like, hey, how you doing? And you're just like, whoa. <laughs> Time out. Maybe I shouldn't have asked. And I don't think I'm your enemy. Or let me, just, let me just say it like this. Have you ever been that person? Or you've just been like so banged up by the world and so frustrated about people not embracing you that finally when someone does embrace you, like there's such a chip on your shoulder, you're just like, what? I don't want to hang out with you. You know, and they're like, wow, dude. So you can see this, this aggression come out at her. But that's what ostracizing does. And I think what Jesus is, is recognizing, what we need to recognize is when we see people who don't know where they belong, we need to ask ourselves what circumstances may have pushed them into a lifestyle that caused this. And I'm not saying they're not accountable. They are. But I've met many, many, many a person who has gone through heinous things and have self-destructed relationships because of what the world has done. Everybody has a story. Everybody is trying to find a fit to belong. And so Jesus goes like this. He, here's what he says back. I mean, what would you do right there? I, I would just be like, I'm out. I'm gonna go find my boys and have lunch. This lady's angry. But here's what Jesus says. He goes, if you knew you could belong to God, you would never thirst for belonging again. And I don't think she has a clue what, what he's talking about at this point. She's just like, and the answer was that. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, if you knew who I am and what I could do in your soul, who is, 
who is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you knew what I could give you, if you knew the power that is in me to make you belong with me and my people, you would come running. So the woman doesn't get in. So she she says this back. It's a comical conversation. She goes, are you talking about buckets? She's not getting it. If you know how to fill this bucket so I can stop sneaking around out here because of my shame, then let's go. And Jesus is like, that's not what I'm talking about. Look at 411. The woman said to him, sir, you don't got anything to draw water with. What's this water you're talking about? What's this new stream you're promising me? And the well's deep. Where do you get this living water? And really what that means is, where do you get this fresh water? I would love to stop sneaking out here because everyone knows I'm coming out here. And if you know of a hidden creek somewhere where I could go and fill my bucket, I don't really believe it because you don't even have a bucket. He's like, I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about what I can do to fill your soul. So Jesus goes like this. You don't understand your thirst. It's a soul thirst to be loved and belong and to have a place. And I really believe there's so many people out there, maybe even sitting here today, and you don't understand the thirst, or they don't understand the thirst. I think a lot of people think they have other issues and other needs, but it's a soul thirst. And and so often it's a soul thirst to belong. And so look at what Jesus says here in verses 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. I'm not talking about physical things. Your problem isn't physical things. As a matter of fact, your problem is that you keep trying to use physical things to try to drink in your soul. But your soul is desperate to know where it fits in. And he says in verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give, if you can understand what I can give you, you'll never run after destructive things again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up in eternal life. Do you realize that if you could know my acceptance and the acceptance of my people, it wouldn't be a trickling stream. It would be a mighty rushing river that would overflow you and would explode out of you. I would overwhelm you with accepting love. That's what I can give you. And so I think she's just standing there like, wait, 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 wait. What are we talking about? Wait, wait. who are you? I feel like you know me. I'm kind of agitated at you. But you're drawing me in. And so Jesus continues on. He goes like this. Because she's not getting it. So where's the creek? So he goes, okay. Let's be a little more blunt here. What I'm talking about is belonging. And you've tried to belong Two people through very destructive things. See what I'm doing right now? Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, okay, go call your husband and come here. We're no longer talking about water. We're talking about you trying to find your fit in this world 
and doing it in all the wrong ways. He's just like, I don't got time. My guys are coming back and they're gonna screw this up. We gotta talk. Verse 17, the woman answered him, I have no husband. Like just, this is gonna get really bad. It's really cringy what's about to happen right here. Jesus said to her, yeah, you're right. You're right in saying that you have no husband. You've had five. (laughs) Gentle Jesus. But sometimes you got to tell people, like, look, you're trying to do this belonging thing in all the wrong ways, and you're burning bridges and leaving rubble around you. And look, I'm trying to get you to understand that that's the wrong type of belonging. You've been used, and you've been abused. And uh, I don't think these men just died, by the way, you guys. I think she's moving through people, and I think she's probably a prostitute, most likely, But Jesus goes, yeah, you don't have a husband. You've had five. And not one of them satisfied your soul because it's the wrong place to try to belong. It's a God thing. You got to know grace in the gospel. You got to know God's love. And the one you got right now, it's not your husband. So what you said is true. You don't have a husband. But sleeping around is killing you. It's not the love you need. You know, I know that's hard to say to people, but I think it's needed to say to people who are killing themselves trying to find a place to be accepted. And I love, I love what she says in verse 19 because what do you say? One, she knows he's right, and she's probably exhausted from the pursuits. So she doesn't want to leave. She's trying to, I think she's probably starting to feel some hope. And so she says something really sly. I think this is a really smart girl. Look at verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Like you obviously got some magic. You obviously know how to see into the future or into my soul. You must be a prophet. And so feeling very uncomfortable, I think she totally flips gears. And if you've ever been in this conversation or had this conversation with another person trying to get them to realize, like, you got to stop looking there to find life and value and acceptance. It's killing you. You got to look to God and his people because it's not something you need to earn. It's, It's something that's freely given to you through love. It's amazing how quick someone will change the conversation, right? And so I love what she does. She goes like this, well... I belong to religion. Huh? Look at verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain right here. I'm religious and I belong with this religion. But you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship? Like, I got, I got my thing over here. You know, I, I'm religious. And Jesus cuts right to the chase. He goes, religion won't fill you either. All it's going to tell you is you're not enough. You're not enough. Until you you check the boxes, you're going to be on the performance treadmill to be accepted. You need to know the Lord's love and acceptance. Look at verse 21. He's just inviting her to his table. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming 
When neither on that mountain, because that's where the Samaritans thought, you had the, the temple where the Jews worshiped, and then you had this other mountain that the Samaritans said, that's where we worship God over here, a little competition. Jesus goes, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor on the mountain in Jerusalem will people worship the Father, but there's the Spirit who's coming, the Spirit's coming, and he can blow your minds, and he can bring you to God, and he can bring you to God's people 22, you worship what you do not know. You're in a checklist religion that's killing you. We, sh- we worship what we know for salvation of the, is of the Jews. There's a power coming and an obse- acceptance coming that, that will blow your minds. It'll blow your minds. Verse 25. Oh, I like verse 24. He says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. If you could know the spirit poured out on you, if you could know the truth of God's love, man, it would do so much for you. And so the woman goes like this. She's really snarky. I feel like she's like my sister, unless you're watching, sis. Then she's nothing like you. But I feel, I feel like she's got this cool edge to her. And I think some people who are tired of the pressure of culture and the oppression and the frustration, they gotta get this way. They gotta get a little angry and say, I'm so done with what the world has told me. I, I want the truth. And I I love what she says right here. She goes like this. She goes, we'll see who's right about God once the Lord comes. (laughs) We'll see. Jesus has got her boxed in. So she can just look at her heart and say, I am so desperate to belong. And I've tried religion. I've tried sex. I've tried men. I've tried relationships. And I need one one." One option left, I need God. And so she goes, we'll see who's right one day, dude. When God comes back. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who's called the Christ. When he comes, we'll know who's right. Jesus looks her in the eyes and he goes, lady, I am the Lord. Verse 26, drop the mic. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. You need me. And I think she finally got it that if you would come to me and be accepted by me and belong at my table and belong at the table of my people, it would truly satisfy the craving in your soul. And I think this woman dropped her bucket, you guys, and absolutely flipped out. <laughs> and, and when you feel the love of God, this is how it feels. I think this woman finally got it. I think she's just, it just hit her like, this man knows everything about me, and he loves me the same. I cannot believe this. And I, I, I love this because I feel like the bucket is a picture of her pursuits. It's empty and I'm always trying to fill it. I'm always trying to fill it. I'm always trying to fill it. And what you'll see is she just goes like this. She just goes, Jesus drops the mic. She drops the bucket. And I think she just runs back to Samaria and she's just like, ah, this is amazing. I don't know who this dude is. I kind of think he's Christ. I'm not real sure. But he knows every stinking thing about me. The five guys, and I'm not talking about burgers. 
and he loves me. He's got me. He wants me. Verse 27, like this is just the gospel. Just then, his disciples came back. Great. Good timing. We're done. You can't screw anything up, guys. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, you see. What's he doing? What's he doing with that girl? He's changing her life. But no one said, what do you seek? Why are you talking with her? They know better. Don't poke the lion. Don't poke the lion of Judah. They're not going to confront him. Why are you talking to the half-breed? They're not going to mess with him. He's going to roar. So they just, they, they walk up like this. They're like, and it's a really weird scene because he's just sitting there like this, probably looking at him, testing him like, well, what's up? This is how I roll. And this lady's sprinting towards her home like, ah! <laughs> Beautiful dysfunction. And I love verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man. And they're probably all like, number six? Who'd you meet out there? Homewrecker? Oh, no, 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 no. It's a different man. It's the last man. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. And I got to think there's some wives in that town who were like, finally. But she's got this glow about her. As if to say, and he loves me and wants me. Can this be the Christ? I think she felt something she had never felt before in her life. So Jesus turns to his guys in verse 31. Meanwhile, what a story. Meanwhile, back at the well. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. We got our table. Let's focus. Let's eat. It's us, the team. But he said to them, nah, I'm good. I have food to eat that you do not know about. You see what it does to me when I bring people to my table and my soul. And that's what you need to learn. You need to learn the satisfaction in your soul when you bring the outcast in. Verse 33, so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Why isn't he hungry? That's not the food he's talking about. Verse 34, Jesus said to them, Guys, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish this work of finding the outcast and bringing them to our table. He literally says to them, it's time for you to prepare a new table. It's time for you to prepare a place for those who don't belong and show them my love. You know, this week I was praying about this before this message went out. We got one of our great team members who's here with us. She's doing slides, actually. Stephanie, don't hide. You can't hide behind that Mac. She's a wonderful, wonderful part of our team, Dr. Stephanie. And, uh, and she sent an email, and I had, she had no idea what I was preaching about this week, Stephanie. And the email said something to the extent of, you know, we're, we're like the Holy Spirit just got a hold of you, Stephanie. And it meant a lot to me. Because she said, we're doing this table series, but what about those who don't have a table? <laughs> I'm like, I swear sometimes Frontline steals my sermon notes. <laughs> That's what happens when you walk in the Spirit. And she said, there's, there's so many 
so many single people and so many people don't have family, can we not try to invite them to the table of people in our church so they know we love them and they know they have a place to belong? And I said, yeah, if you'll run it. (laughs) And she said, I'd love to. And Stephanie is leading. We have a a sign-up sheet in the back at the table. Jennifer, wave your hand for me back there. It's right behind Jennifer. But it's a sign-up sheet. And if you're here and you don't have a table, uh, and I don't mean just Thanksgiving. I mean fellowship. I mean friendship. I mean love. I want you to sign up. And if you're here and you want to make room at the table of your heart for people, I want you to sign up as well. And I want to see us do this work in the name of Jesus Christ. There are wells everywhere. Not not just this, not just Thanksgiving. Everywhere we go today, there are wells, there are wells, there are wells. They are lonely wells where people stand. They don't know where they belong. And yet we have flooded, at least as a, a church here at Frontline, we have flooded the KMC as the people of God. Everywhere I go, I see you people. I see you in the woods. <laughs> God has multiplied us for a reason to reach the men and women, the teenagers at the well. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If this was your first time joining us online, please head over to the contact us portion of our website and say hi. We would love to meet you. If you'd like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope that you were blessed today and we'll see you next week.